In this episode, one of the most beloved and significant episodes, Space Seed. Compliance, the final frontier. Tom Fox is the voyager of trekking through compliance. His mission? To explore the original series and seek out and share what it can teach you about compliance. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Trekking Through Compliance, Episode 22, Space Seed. In this episode of Trekking Through Compliance, we consider Space Seed, Start 8, 3141.9. This is one of the most beloved Star Trek, the original series episodes. It begins with a derelict DY-100 class spaceship, the SS Botany Bay, built in the 1990s and is discovered by the Enterprise. Biological scanners detect life aboard with only four heartbeats a minute, so Bones does not believe them to be produced by humans. The Enterprise has no record of this ship, but it is not surprising as many of the records were lost in the Great War, World War of Eugenics fought during that period. Bones, Scotty, Kirk, and historian Marla MacGyvers beam aboard and discover it is indeed an old Earth ship powered by primitive nuclear power. The crew is in suspended animation, but the leader is accidentally awakened when the lights are turned on. Kirk is forced to break the glass and remove from his chamber him from his chamber when the revival procedure fails and he is almost killed. McCoy and the man are then beamed aboard the Enterprise. As the Enterprise proceeds to Starbase 12 in the Gamma 400 star system, historian MacGyvers falls in love with the leader, who is discovered to be Khan Noonan Singh. Khan makes a miraculous recovery and holds bones at scalpel point to find out where he is. Khan and his crew are products of the eugenics wars of the 1990s which in 1993, a group of supermen simultaneously seized power in more than 40 nations. Spock reveals to Kirk that his research has determined that there were 80 to 90 supermen unaccounted for at the end of the war. This, together with Khan's extreme strength and physical prowess, lead Kirk and Spock to wonder if their passenger might not be one of the missing supermen. Through subtle questioning, Kirk gets Khan to inadvertently admit that he is one of the supermen, when he blurts out, we offered the world order. Kirk and company look up Khan in the database and find him to be one of the most dangerous of the supermen and at one time to have ruled a full quarter of the Earth's surface. Khan uses his great strength to break out of his cabin and MacGyvers helps him to transport to the Botany Bay. There he awakens 72 out of the 84 superhumans whose life support systems are still functioning and takes over the Enterprise with their help. Khan cuts off life support to the bridge, knocking out Kirk, Spock, McCoy, Uhura, technicians First Class Thule and Harrison, and Lieutenant Spinelli. When Khan puts Kirk in a decompression chamber to force the other command crew members to join him, MacGyvers relents and helps Kirk regain control of the tri- ship by cutting off the monitor camera on the chamber, injecting the guard and releasing Kirk. Kirk then helps Spock escape when he is brought to the chamber for his torture. They gas the entire ship, but Khan escapes to engineering and attempts to cause the ship to self-destruct. Kirk takes Khan in hand-to-hand combat and is able to overcome him with an engineering rod he pulls from a control panel. Kirk maroons the superhumans on SETI Alpha 5, leaving them with sufficient supplies to enable them to colonize the uninhabited planet. 
On hearing this, Khan asks Kirk if he has ever read Milton, and Kirk says, yes, he understands. The reference is the statement Lucifer made when he fell into the pit, saying, quote, it is better to rule in heaven than serve in hell, end quote. Kirk gives MacGyver's a choice between court-martial and being left behind with Khan, and she elects to stay with Khan. This episode was the basis of the best and greatest Star Trek movie of all time, which, of course, was Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Fun fact. The title of this episode refers to the 18th century British custom, which used to take, was used to take unwanted criminals out of the country by shipping undesirables out to Australia. Knowing what we know now about the Star Trek universe, you can't help but love this show. It is the basis for the top Star Trek movie, um, Star Trek II, and The Wrath of Khan. So uh, you have to look at this episode, I think, through the lens of how it appeared in 1967. And the first of all is the foreshadowing of World War III, never something that uh, people want to think about, but we were able to get past that date, at least in the Star Trek world. But the enhanced individuals or the superhumans who tried to take over the world uh, is something that, uh, unfortunately, we probably are going to have to deal with at some point, at least the superhumans, the eugenics controversies, enhanced individuals, whatever you might call them. And that's a great trope of science fiction. So on that point alone, the quotation of Milton is obviously something else that is uh, very cool about this episode. And then uh, Marla MacGyvers, uh, she chooses love over uh, staying with the Enterprise. So lots to enjoy from this episode. And of course, knowing what we know about where Star Trek goes, it makes this episode even more poignant. Star Trek, the original series, Return of the Archons. So what are some of the compliance lessons learned from this episode? Well, uh, interestingly, I thought of the following question. How do you manage third parties after your contract is signed? Because here I'd like you to think about what is the protocol if something goes wrong. The protocol or the setup to this episode was that you had 80 to 90 superhumans, effectively 80 to 90 Napoleons, left after a devastating world war, and the populace of the earth apparently did not want to find out that these people were still alive. So they uh, sent them into space. Um, and what happens with your third parties if they go bad? What happens if they uh, fail to follow your compliance programs, policies, and procedures? What happens if they engage in bribery and corruption? What happens... If they hire third parties and don't tell you about them and you later find out. So the fifth step in the five-step protocol of managing third parties, or rather in the life cycle of third parties, is, of course, managing third parties. So what do you do to manage those third parties after the contract is signed? Unfortunately, many companies, that's where uh, their uh, oversight of the third party ends. And that's really where the greatest work has to start. So what are you going to do with the um, uh, third parties if they turns out they violate the law? Uh, second, the uh, questioning of Khan at the formal dinner where he was introduced to the top commanders of the Enterprise was just fascinating. And here 
Kirk used Spock to draw Khan out so that he was exposed as to who he real, truly is. And it really showed that, I think, questioning in an investigation is as much art as it is science. And the way to get better at it is, of course, to practice. You can certainly take some very excellent training classes in questioning, but you're going to have to get out and practice to get better going forward. The art of questioning uh, as an art can be uh, learned and certainly improved. And finally, what is your crisis management program? What do you have in place? Well, in the enterprise, they had a nerve gas, or at least a knockout gas, that was deployed when someone took over the ship. I hope you'll join me tomorrow where we take up a taste of Armageddon. If you enjoyed this episode of Trekking Through Compliance, you can help it grow by sharing it with the biggest Trek fan you know. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.